Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Why, hello, and welcome to episode 94 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the first episode of October 2013. And this is another one of those episodes where I've had the content and I've been hanging on to it for just the right moment. And trust me, this is just the right moment. Uh, we're actually going to go ahead and play that interview right after the requests because it is, you know, something I've been sitting on for a while. So uh, we're going to be interviewing Dave Filoni, who is a massive Godzilla fan, but also happens to be the basically the director of the Clone Wars Star Wars television show. Now, you might be saying to yourself, why would we be talking to a Star Wars guy on a Godzilla podcast? Well, if you haven't seen the episode of the Zillow Beast you need to because it's heavily, heavily influenced by Godzilla. So we're going to go ahead and start off with a request for Steven, who requested uh, Brian Setzer's Go Go Godzilla. And then we're going to play the main theme from GMK, and that is for Connor. And then there's going to be a little special something for you. If you haven't heard it or watched it, you're definitely going to want to listen to the news. You'll probably want to listen to the news anyway, but you know, that's what we're going to play. And then, like I said, it's all about Dave Filoni right after that.
would not be the same. Few people cried. Most people were silent. I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture. Vishnu takes on his multi-armed form and says, Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I have with me on the phone a very special guest to the Kaiju cast, and uh, actually the first time we've really stepped outside of the Godzilla genre for, for pulling somebody in. I have the one, the only Dave Filoni, who works on the Star Wars Clone Wars. Uh, Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm really, really excited. Oh, man. I, uh, I know oh. who you are, essentially, but I, I mean, I know <laughs> okay. very little about you. And I'm sure that the because you're uh, known mostly for your your work at the Star Wars universe, uh, right. uh, there's a lot of people who might not know you're a massive Godzilla fan as well. Uh, and when I was in uh, at WonderCon a few years ago, I heard you talk about the Zillow Beast episode when it was still an upcoming episode, that's and I right, was like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, that's who this guy is!" Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Do me a favor and just kind of like tell tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I'm a huge Godzilla fan. I mean, it just so happens that I work on Star Wars, which is also something I loved as a kid growing up. Uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and, you know, back then, I think my first exposure to Godzilla was every Thanksgiving, they would actually play the original uh, 1954 movie. Uh, around Thanksgiving, I watch it at my grandparents' house, and then I have foggy memories growing up of you know I think it's like WWOR movies being played out of New York and New Jersey, so I would see like a Deliver Sky again, but really fuzzy on my dial as you're trying to tune it in on the old kind of TV shows uh, <laughs> or the TV UHF channels. channels but, yeah. Um, yeah, I just was always into it, and one of the hobby shops uh, near my house actually got Bandai Godzilla figures in. So I had the uh, probably what everybody's first Godzilla toy was was the Shogun Godzilla. I had that, and I remembered getting it in the box and everything. Uh, but then the other god, the second Godzilla toy I ever got as a kid was the 1962 uh, King Goji by Bandai, uh, which. Uh, you know, I remember getting at the hobby shop, and I, I didn't know. I mean, I had no perspective on that that was like a brand new thing that had come out. I always thought it was like something that had came before. So I would often go to whatever convention was in town and root through the bins to try to find Godzilla figures. So I would, I have a pretty good, decent collection of the the Bandai figures that were coming out in the 80s and 90s. And uh, so I've always had this love for Godzilla uh, growing up, and then I've carried that on through watching them relentlessly. And uh, George Lucas, he knew I was a big Godzilla fan as well. And that's basically how the Zilla Beast came about, is that uh, from time to time I would throw a joke at him about Godzilla. I think when, when he was talking about Star Wars being around for 30 years, I said, well, you know, Godzilla's uh, celebrated its uh, 50th anniversary. <laughs> and he told me, you know, not to get too smart there, but he and I would always love to joke uh, with one another. And, uh, you know, of course, when you look at George, you know, you know that he worked with uh, uh, Kurosawa, the famous uh, Japanese director, which also meant that uh, George, I believe he worked on Ron and Kagabusha. And yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember, but I think uh, Honda was actually an assistant director, maybe on Ron. So George had some connection. I was like, you have more of a connection to Godzilla films than you realize. <laughs> yeah, and, that's uh, awesome. That's really cool. So yeah, that's when he, he created the Zilla Beast. And uh, 
you know, I think that was just kind of a little nod to me to let me do a big Godzilla thing uh, in one of our or two of our episodes, actually. When you were growing up as a as a kid, mm-hmm. and you were you were doing that uh, shopping in your hobby shop and going to the conventions, sure. were you also like seeking out movies when they started to come out on VHS as well, or did you still stick with just what was on TV? <laughs> My first. The first Godzilla movie I owned, and I bet you this is just what everybody experienced, was actually Godzilla vs. Megalon uh, came out on beta, and I still have it on beta. Nice. And it was incredibly disappointing because the box art had Godzilla fighting Mechagodzilla 74 on it, but it wasn't. It was Godzilla vs. Megalon. Um, And I ordered that through like the publisher's clearinghouse, I want to say. And so I still have on beta... Uh, Godzilla vs. Megalon on beta, then I have uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla beta, Godzilla vs. Mothra beta, Monster Zero on beta, and uh, I think that's it. Those were like the big uh, movies. Yeah, Monster Zero, Godzilla vs. Mothra, and Terror of Mechagodzilla. I almost wore those Betamax tapes out. <laughs> do you have a. Relentlessly watch Do you those. still have a way to play them now, or is, it, is that long gone? Oh, yeah. My dad still has the beta player. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. What was your next, uh, your next step in your Godzilla fandom as far as like taking it to the, uh, the next level? Because I, uh, I know you have a costume, which we can talk about mm-hmm. as soon, that's right. yeah, as, soon no, as you're ready. That's the next, next, next level. Yeah, though. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's skipping a few steps. So, what's, yeah, what was, uh, like, did you ever, I know you reached out to uh, other Godzilla. Godzilla fans through through G fan mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was like anybody. The, the interesting thing about Godzilla fans, and obviously, I'm part of a very big fandom globally with Star Wars. But uh, Godzilla fans, it's almost like you didn't really know if how many other fans were out there, and especially in Pittsburgh, I didn't have uh, you know access to a lot of stores. I mean, there weren't any specialty shops selling Japanese toys. Really, um, we had a couple downtown shops. I think like Ides uh, Books and Records down in Pittsburgh was one place you could get uh, some toys. But mainly, uh, you know, I would see like San Francisco science fiction advertised, or I would see things in catalogs and try to order things. But um, I think it took a leap when I was finally able to order garage kits. I had some Kyoto kits I was able to order um, after a time. And I had like a whole wall of my room just dedicated to Godzilla uh, but it was really one day when I was in the, the comic shop in Pittsburgh, I found a G-Fan. And that, you know, I think revolutionized the whole thing. Because suddenly, you know, in the, in the time before the Internet, <laughs> if you can imagine, oh, yeah. you were connected to a bunch of other fans. And I was like, wow, there's a whole thing. There's even a convention in Chicago. So my dad and I actually hopped on the Amtrak and we went to Chicago and... I I can't remember which one it was. It, it was either the second or the third um, ever G Fest uh, that we were able to attend out there, and that was a great time. Um, I met JD Lee's, you know, who uh, you know publishes the G Fan, and I actually sent him several illustrations. So if you have old G fans, I'm talking circa, you know, if you've got like ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven era issues. There's actually artwork I I illustrated uh, some Godzilla artwork and it was published in G Fan. That was a a huge coup for me back then in college. I was like, this is great. I can't believe I'm getting published. And yeah. uh, there were a lot of great <laughs> artists. You know, um, I think Godzuzuki was uh, was uh, publishing and Chris Scalf. Just some really really talented artists. So I was just glad to be among. Uh, those guys uh, being being published yeah well i actually have uh i also have a um, a small collection of g fan magazines and i have oh, cool. issue 40 here and it's got your uh dave filoni's ogasawara sketchbook in it oh yeah yeah jd came up with that idea i just sent him these sketches i was trying to do of the monsters and you know a little more realistic and with, with slightly tweaks on the costumes but uh I just have this obsession with, like, now with CG effects, you could make, you know, like the Showa Godzilla look really real. You don't have to change the design very much. Just put him in a real environment, you know, and and the matting would be perfect. And so I was trying to do a little bit of that and draw some really dramatic uh, compositions. And then uh, JD came up with a bunch of uh, note dialogue. That was fun. That was a really fun one. That's a, it's a nice three-page spread you got there, man. It was uh, Yeah, it was, it was cool I was surprised. 
Yeah, I was happy to go through my old magazines and try and find your stuff in there. It was, it was awesome. There's a couple like back covers, or like inside back covers, and uh, things that I had done too. Have you been uh, an artist like for you know your entire life, or when did you just start drawing? Yeah, pretty much. I had always been drawing and painting, and uh, I just happened to really like my my father and my mother were very big into opera and the Pittsburgh Opera, so. I also liked, you know, stories told through music, and I think seeing Fantasia was very eye-opening to me as a kid mm-hmm. as far as animation. And then, of course, John Williams' music is very operatic in Star Wars. So I kind of got on this path was I like to draw, maybe I would do animation. And at that time, the Disney films were, were having a big impact of being the Beast and Aladdin and things of that nature. So it seemed like there was a possible, you know, always when you're an artist, there's a concern of what kind of career you're going to be able to have. You know, if you're not selling art, you'll basically be pumping gas or doing something else. So I wanted to try to get into something that was at least moderately stable from an anim- from a, a business end, and that's why I loved film, and so I thought I'd get into animation. I realized kind of later on that I got pretty far away from doing Star Wars, which is one of the things I got into film because of, and, uh, you know, no one was really building giant cities anymore except in japan to do monsters i mean that was another enlightening thing right when godzilla's bialante came out it was like what they're still making them that's incredible you know so the whole uh, 90s era godzilla films kind of i think reignited the hobby and created a lot of excitement around it so that was all going on when i was in college yeah yeah me too same same here that was great that's you know? awesome yeah i i think uh that's one of the things that i i love about the the 90s series the heisei series is that it mm-hmm. it completely brought in a brand new generation of godzilla fans and there are a a lot of, of what i consider to be younger fans who are not so young anymore yeah. who right. that's what they grew up on is the is the stuff like the the reimagined mechagodzilla and and Batra. yeah Batra's one of my favorite monsters. Well, I couldn't believe that we were. I saw you at that screening down here in San Francisco, and uh, when we were watching Godzilla vs. Mothra, right, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I turned to my friend and I said, "You realize how long ago this came out?" Yeah, <laughs> it was it was devastating to think about because I think of those as the newer ones. You know, compared to the ones that we grew up with. I mean, even though they, the ones I liked, you know, the Showa era was before I was born. I was born in 74, right, when Mechagodzilla, you know, had, had been released. But I never thought of it that way. You know, I thought of those very much as the films that I knew growing up. Yeah, because so. they're your nostalgia, your, your childhood, right? Yeah. 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 And how do you feel about the newer ones, the stuff that came out after 99? Um, you know, they're different. I, I have to say that I've, I was never the biggest 2000 fan as far as like the design. Um, it was just so angular and sharp and different. And there seems to be this whole um, obsession anymore with things getting really dark and, you know, evil and, and nature. And, you know, I, I, I'm just, it's just me. My favorite Godzilla is Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 74. I love it. I watch it all the time, and I, I love the Megaro Goji design. I mean, I think they improved it in 74 and 75, but uh, I don't mind that hero aspect of him. You know, the the kaiju in the films, especially Showa, always have a lot of character. You know, uh, even, I mean, go back to the beginning. They always have a lot of uh, personality, uh, and, and they're not just one-dimensional destructive forces, and that gets exaggerated over the years, but, um, you know, I like to see Godzilla duck a punch and throw a punch. I mean, I, I know there's some fans that are much more into, say, the, you know, the 64 Mothra is the pinnacle, and, and I don't disagree with that as far as filmmaking. I just watched uh, Mothra the other day, the original 61. Mm-hmm. I got a hold of a, a, a good DVD uh, of it, and I just was blown away by how believable the effects are i mean it's unbelievable the miniature work and there's some really good documentaries anymore definitely on the what is it the the toho masterworks collection i think it is that showcase the special effects artists and it's just staggering to watch but you have to modernize and change and i think they do that well in in 2000 and afterward but it didn't seem to have as good of a a run through as what they were doing with godzilla in the 90s it 
Megagirus, I was not that into <laughs> as a villain. Orga, you know, I don't know. It's just not, maybe I'm getting old. But I liked the Mechagodzilla, Godzilla X Mechagodzilla two-parter. I thought those were, were rather fun, so... Yeah, for sure. And a cool-looking design. Definitely a, a revamped yeah. version of him, too, of Mechagodzilla. At this point, there's a Godzilla for everybody. <laughs> no matter what you <laughs> totally like about yeah. him, you can find a movie you know, that has a, a hero version of Godzilla you like, or a villain, for that matter. That is true. So, speaking of, uh, of actual Mechagodzillas, what, what draws you to the actual original Mechagodzilla so much? I ha- I think it's just overall it's the design of it. I really do. I mean, it was so memorable to me as a kid. Um and I just that one really stuck in my brain and and when you look at the design of it, there's something very unique about it that it would be very hard to get a designer to to make that type of uh style today. You know, something very 70s about it and simple yet it's very menacing. It's not overdone with all these different joints that move and machinations, and I know that makes it more realistic, but there's something about, to me, that that 70s era, even when you look at, like, say, the Ultraman kaiju of the 60s, there's a really inspired sense of these bizarre monsters, and I thought for a robot, you know, it never bothered me that it didn't necessarily look like Godzilla, the the crest on the top of the head is just fantastic and uh yeah it's something very very unique and i think now what you see is a lot of the design sense is kind of kind of blending together um i saw like even ultraman there was like a newer version and he had a lot of like plates and shifting armor plates on him mhm yeah and i was kind of like confused by that cuz i'm like that was never something that i wondered about or felt the old original design was lacking. So sometimes I think we get a little too complex for our own good. Um, And there's something nice and clean about the original design that's just eye-catching. Makes a killer toy. (laughs) It really does. Yeah, and an awesome costume, right? (laughs) Like That was a lot of work. Yeah, Yeah. tell me about it. How did you, uh, first off, how did you make the decision to, to build your Mechagodzilla costume? Oh, I don't know. I mean, my friends and I, when I lived in Burbank, we would just always, for Halloween in L.A., do a, some kind of crazy costume. We'd always try to outdo each other. And so I had just bought the Billiken 1975 uh, kit of Mechagodzilla. And I thought that kit was just fantastic. It was so well-detailed, um, right down to the little you know die-cast uh, rockets you stick in his fingers. And I for whatever reason, I was like, I'm going to try making this. <laughs> so I used that as my guide, and I built that whole costume uh, for Halloween. And it was really fun to do. I still have the head in my office here at Lucasfilm. I had to, unfortunately, throw the body out. Uh, no, you know, no. It loomed there in the bedroom for years, <laughs> and my wife had about enough of it. So it's time to move it on. <laughs> Oh, but I took it when Godzilla got a star on the Walk of Fame. Oh yeah, I was and there, I took man. It down there. Were you there? I was there. I saw you. I saw you in your costume. Of course, I didn't That's know crazy. it was you at the time. But like, it was. Well, uh, that, it was like, totally, yeah, I wouldn't totally have been awesome. anybody. You know, I mean, I'm barely anybody now. So it's like, you know, I, all these people I meet to find out I like Godzilla. They say, "Hey, did you see that guy Mecha Godzilla costume?" I'm like, yeah, that was well, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, it was great. They didn't let me near Godzilla though. He was a really little guy. Remember? Yeah. Oh, I yeah, was shocked yeah. how small that suit was. Oh yeah, yeah. Your Mecha Godzilla is a lot taller than than the actual uh, final Godzilla, the Final Wars Godzilla. Yeah, I was big. I was, I would have crushed him if they let me near him. Because <laughs> that thing was probably about uh, it was over six feet tall, right? Just about. If Pretty had, much, yeah. Right? And I mean, I tried to do it very similarly because I looked out of the neck. You know, um, it was two big pieces. It was like a lower half that had the legs and the tail, uh, and the lower torso, and then you you slid into that, and you lowered the top half on, and it kind of Velcroed at the mid, and then, and then you stepped into the feet. So that was, uh, you know, later on I saw some behind-the-scenes footage where it, the suit actually worked pretty much like that when you broke it up into uh, how they built it. And I saw it was on display at the over in Tokyo, I think, last summer. I was really disappointed I didn't get to go see it, but... 
Oh, you and me both, man. I was I was uh, dying to go that? over it there for that. I really wanted to go to that uh, that exhibit, the Tokusatsu yeah. exhibit. It, was, it looked amazing. Anyway, you you talked a little bit about your collection, and now you pretty much only collect seventy five stuff, like stuff from uh, the Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla stuff from the yeah seventy four is is my target. You know, I'll go seventy five uh, if they make it, but uh, the nineteen seventy four Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla film, I pretty much collect exclusively. You know, it's just one of those things you do because then it limits you. And like, even though that like uh, Monster at sixty four Godzilla is coming out, and I love it, I think it's great. I, it just gives me a reason not to have to buy it because <laughs> otherwise I would. There's just so many amazing collectibles now that I, I just really try to zero in on what I liked. And years ago, I was like, well, nobody makes a lot of the seventy four, so I'll be pretty safe <laughs> from spending money. <laughs> yeah, but you know that changes over the years. I have a whole case now. Uh, filled with them and you know Hazawa Gumi and uh, what well, M1 keeps using the 74 mold and making one that's like clear blue glitter and then different paint from different Wonderfests and that drives you nuts and Marmot <laughs> had a really good mold they had a good para baby line as well and Bear Model had a Super 7 so it's like great I decided to collect this now but it's not nearly as bad if you're collecting like 62 or 64 Oh, yeah, for sure. Or 68. You get clobbered on those guys. Yeah, I like yeah, your so. approach of just limiting it to one. But I'm already in too deep to the to the buy everything right? all the time kind of thing for me. So, Well, uh, X-Plus is the current champion. That oh they just God. came out with a King Caesar that is just perfect. Yeah, he you just know, showed up uh, last week. I just picked mine up house, yesterday, yeah. so it's amazing. Uh, it's gorgeous. A beautiful figure. I, I actually, I'm really looking forward to when Diamond releases the uh, the Mechagodzilla in, a, in like a couple of months now. Yeah. Yeah, see, I get this. Like, I love the X-Plus stuff. I even bought, they reissued their 74, and I have the one that came with the Space Alien with the ape. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, but then they, they build it now and it lights up with the secret base. So I bought that too. We'll see if that was a smart move, but <laughs> you know, I thought they got me on the lights. So we'll see. Well, a lot of people were passing on that. Yeah. I'm on my forum on, uh, on the Facebook page. I, I joined that. So oh yeah. Yeah. There's a whole X plus discussion group. You're on that. That's right. I You're am there. Yeah, I see yeah. you there. Yeah. Yeah. Well aware of that. Actually, I'm probably, <laughs> we're, I'm going to Japan later this year. So I'm Are probably really? going to have to turn that off from my feed. So I don't see all those awesome updates anymore so that I could just choose oh, to go back. Cause I need to save my monies, but uh, it's impossible. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved with Lucasfilm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it just pays when you when you really like stuff, you know, and because I'm in the industry, I'm, I'm pretty vocal about it. I mean, I'll talk to anybody about Godzilla or Star Wars if they want to have a discussion about it. And over the years, I just talk a lot about it at work. And one day on, I was working on Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, but Nickelodeon and... Uh, I would happen to be talking a lot about Star Wars because their Revenge of the Sith was coming out. And, uh, you know, it just caught somebody's ear that I knew in animation. And when he got asked about possible directors for a TV series by Lucasfilm, he gave them my name and no one else's. And uh, so I kind of lucked out, cheerily by gabbing a lot about something I liked. It at least got me in the process. And to get the job, I had to interview with George, which I did. And, uh, I mean, we just hit it off. So then... I moved up uh, to San Francisco and been working at Lucasfilm ever since. But, uh, you know, I brought Godzilla with me. I have a huge Godzilla uh, Italian. I think it's actually a Versus Mecha Godzilla poster uh, in my office here that I keep. And uh, I have a couple of Revoltec. I got Gigan and Angurus from Revoltec here. So I've got my, my Godzillas on board. But, uh, yeah, it's been really, you know, pretty eye-opening education and cinema to work here and like i said their connections to kurosawa and this honda and you know just different ways of looking at film that we we do at lucasfilm all the time and recently we just did pacific rim that was all ilm so you know they were suddenly suddenly did you know it's like the word kaiju is everywhere suddenly yeah oh yeah everybody's talking about kaiju and i'm like this is very surreal <laughs> you know 
Were you around so for when just, they were working on the effects for Pacific Rim? Were you like, was I around? Or? Yeah, were you kind of just hanging out? No, that that that's all secret in its own way because it's you know something else is it's it's like a different uh, IP. So I'm really with the Star Wars. I mean, I knew they were doing it, but I didn't like seek it out and you know, yeah, I just kind of there are some things when you're when you're as involved behind the scenes as I get to be. A lot of things you're like, I just want to wait and see it in a theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I totally I got to that. have the full-on experience, you know. The episodes you did for the, the Zillow mm-hmm. Beast, you threw in not just a gigantic Godzilla-sized monster named the Zillow Beast, which, of yeah. course, is very close to Zilla, obviously. Uh, right, yeah. What, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the little nods that you gave to Godzilla fans inside of those that uh, duology? Oh. Yeah, there's a couple real small things. I mean, the, the Zilla Beast, first of all, that was like George's thing. He was doing something very nice for me because he knows I like Godzilla. And it wasn't something I necessarily would have put into Star Wars. I didn't think it was such a natural fit. And one of the biggest issues when we did it was when you take a giant, you know, kaiju-sized creature and put it on the city planet of Coruscant, when the whole planet's a city, <laughs> your monster gets very small. You know, it's like when you read about Godzilla 1985 and suddenly the buildings are so towering, you know, 50 meters isn't really going to cut it anymore. Oh, yeah. So we had these massive scale buildings, and so we needed to create a monster that was very agile. And because George called it the Zillow Beast, I wanted to stay pretty far away from uh, Godzilla as far as look and make something really foreign. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I toyed around with some more Gamera-esque designs, but I thought, no, it's just, poaching at that point and we went with something really weird and more tapewormy uh in the final design and uh there are two clone pilots that attack him in the first and one of them is actually named goji g-o-j-i as a clone pilot and he has kind of a godzilla-like paint scheme on his helmet and uh i think i named the other guy radon yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he has like two, uh, you know, Rodan like pterodactyls on his helmet, and then the Jedi and the clones actually counter the Zilla Beast with these very Mazer-like tanks. So you get to see Mace Windu in these uh, basically Mazer tanks attacking this Zilla Beast because you have to have those. Oh yeah, we have to have this if we're attacking a giant creature. You can't not do that. Yeah, I think when I watched uh, Attack of the Clones, when I saw the the big tanks yeah. that were attacking the Separatist ships that were flying away, because uh, <laughs> yeah. if the listeners didn't know, I'm also like, a huge what? Star Wars fan. But uh, yeah, that was I was like, those look like Mazer tanks. Yeah, well, like you said, since they're in Attack of the Clones, that technology, I was like, well, this is totally fair. I can use this. <laughs> yeah. Um, to, you know, to my advantage. It's funny, the second part of Zilla Beast got very uh, more King Kong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, yeah, he, he the kidnapped the Chancellor, and it was it was pretty fun. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's It was really fun to get to do. It was a huge FX challenge, even in CG, uh, especially with our schedule and budget to build those um, cities and to have the people and to do all the things we were trying to do. And... Uh, yeah, I tried to not do too many nods to Godzilla because I, I just have so much respect for it. You know, I just, I actually watched Frankenstein Conquers the World and War of the Gargantuans back to back the other day, and it's still amazing um, the effects that uh, Subarai was doing when he was doing them. It's, it's really, I, I always hope that people continue to go back and watch these films and take the perspective of when these guys were making these movies for how truly groundbreaking they were you know and now people american audiences too often just think they remember megalon and think oh it's just all silly but that was after all the budgets got tremendously hacked and slashed and you know it was near the end of the franchise you go back to the beginning they were really breaking ground as far as what you could do on a set and on a sound stage and convincingly uh and it's you know it's i just think it's so impressive with the schedules and how they would churn this stuff out so believably. So I just wanted, uh, if the Zillow Beast at all inspired any kids out there to say, you know, what is that based on? And they hear it's based on Godzilla, then maybe they go, you know, watch a Godzilla movie. I, I feel like that's a really good nod to something that inspired me. So, and, uh, 
you know, if you haven't seen that, then uh, this is—I have to say this. Uh, my PR person told me, but they, we have the whole new DVD set coming out with all the seasons, and the Zillow Beast is in there, and probably some behind the scenes on it where we get into just the making of you know these these this giant monster in the Star Wars universe. So but it's just a lot of fun to do, and uh, you know, hey, Godzilla coming out in theaters soon as well so he he truly does never die which is something we all like about him <laughs> that yeah that's always good for godzilla to stand the test of time i was gonna say um i i remember when the zillow beast episode came out and somebody on some website or something posted a really cool poster image of, oh yeah of japanese style and I was so excited when, when the Star Wars store um, offered that for sale. It is hanging on my wall uh, in my son's room, actually, right now. It oh, cool. It really looks awesome. Yeah, we riffed the original 54 poster, basically. Yeah, it's And rad. just replaced the, the, the font with, you know, Star Wars font, and uh, that turned out really good. I hear that's really hard to find these days, so I'm glad you got one. Yes, awesome. More uh more dollars for my collection that I'll never sell. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So the uh the the DVD set comes out um October 15th, right? Yes. I believe so. I believe yeah. I'm looking at this I right now. So. Thank you. October 15th. It's all five seasons. That's awesome. So yeah. what is uh what's on your plate for your next project? Well, right now I'm uh really ramping up Star Wars Rebels. It's going to be a new animated TV series that we're doing. Uh you know, this is kind of our first project in conjunction with the Walt Disney Company since we're now um Disney and Lucasfilm, but we're we're still Lucasfilm here up in the Bay Area and uh you know, we are moving very quickly. I'm actually, you know, starting to shoot uh, the episodes now and Things are going really well. We're we're getting everything kind of squared away, and it's exciting. You know, it's uh, Clone Wars is over. We have the DVD set coming out, and uh, and a couple more episodes uh, for for the fans that really love the series will come out eventually. Uh, but for the most part, it's all Rebels all the time now, and uh, all around me is also development for Star Wars Episode Seven, and uh, you know it's. Star Wars is, is like Godzilla in that way. It just never seems to go away. It just expands, and people want more and more of it and want to hear more of the story. So I will be here uh, pro- providing that. And, and when I'm lucky, I get to do promotions in Japan, and then that's when I go to Nakano Broadway Mall. So. Nice, nice. <laughs> Which is a great place. You've been there? Uh, it's, on my, it's on my list of places to go, for sure. You have sure. to go. It's a great place to pick up stuff, Nakano Broadway Mall. Yeah, I think I just saw, uh, I know I just saw an interview with uh, Guillermo del Toro when he was in Japan, oh, yeah. and they I very specifically heard him say, Nagano Broadway, and then they took him there and actually had a camera crew following him around, and I was wow. like, oh, I want to go toy shopping with del Toro. That would be Right? Awesome. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, did, I haven't got to meet him. I bet you, though, that, I mean, we could have a talk about kaiju, that's for sure. I saw him here once, but... You know, I don't bother people. I just go about my way. So, but uh, yeah, at least you know it's nice to see there are all these. Our generation has a bunch of, you know, Godzilla fans and Ultraman fans, and you know, I think that stuff always finds new life. Star Wars finds new life because guys like J.J. Abrams are big fans of it. You know, we want to keep giving it back to people so younger generations fall in love with it, and then they grow up and then they take over the reins. So I think that that's a a really fun thing that's occurred in in you know storytelling and media these days. Well, fantastic, man! Uh, now, do you have a uh, soundtrack that you you happen to like a lot? Maybe the maybe the Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla <laughs> soundtrack. I, yeah, I have that one absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting. I tend to really um, like the the Marsara Sato uh, soundtracks. I, I actually really like the Sana Godzilla as well. I know it's uh, it's a bit different, but I, I I like that difference. There's something about he keeps it a little bit hip and moving. Like the battle with Kamanga is is just uh, incredible, and they kind of mix some of that in with uh, the Mechagodzilla soundtrack as well. So I I tend to like those. Those would be my go-to. I have a couple old records uh, from Japan actually that I had put onto CD. Which is you ever see the records? They're like the condensed version of the movies on record. I have not. That sounds cool, though. Yeah, a lot of the records that you can buy, like the older uh, Japanese records, will have, like, on one side, I have one that's 
Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 74 condensed into one record side. And then on the other side is actually Godzilla vs. Mothra. So it's, it's, it's got the dialogue, the music. I mean, we used to have albums like that of Star Wars uh, here in the States. So they actually have that same thing. So I sometimes listen to that on my commute. Nice. You know, nice. This is a primer. Do you have a particular song that you would want to take us out on? If you wanted to just uh, straight up play The Awakening of King Caesar, that's always a fantastic one. Can definitely do that. Well, very cool. Thank you so much for for doing this, man. Uh, Thanks for having me on. I mean, I I just love talking about Godzilla, and it was was great to meet you the other day at at the, the screenings. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's great to see fandom. That was a great event everyone put together. I had a lot of fun with my friends. And, uh, you know, I love fandom of all kinds. And uh, I'm always open to be talking Godzilla. So if you see me at Comic-Con, you know, let's, let's talk some Godzilla. Not a problem. Definitely will do that, man. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you. reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. Okay, you guys, so big, big news for this uh, this episode, I guess you could say, if you are unaware of it, the trailer from San Diego Comic-Con 2012 was leaked onto the internet. It caused quite a stir. We talked about it on the Facebook page. I really, really like the teaser trailer. Actually, what we should be calling it is the mood piece, because that's actually what it has been called by people from Legendary. So the mood piece from 2012 that they also showed in 2013 was leaked online. It's uh, really cool. It's clear that it's an actual... uh, it's been exported by, you know, high quality materials, I guess I would say. And so I'm guessing it came from an edit house. This is actually kind of really relevant. It was it was leaked. And the name of the uh, person, I think, was the, the YouTube account was Akira Watanabe, which I believe is one of the designers of the original Godzilla. 
And it was called Fat Man, which is the, I believe, the name of the bomb we dropped on Nagasaki. So, yeah, those are pretty interesting hints. And it um, that seems like viral marketing. That to me, that right there. Of course, then Warner Brothers took it down. So, luckily for Godzilla fans who are online, a whole bunch of people saved it. And a whole bunch of people have reposted it. And so, uh, that's the audio you heard after the GMK main title was the teaser from, uh, from the new Godzilla. Anyway... Uh, if that wasn't enough, that you know that happened a week ago from when I'm recording today. Today is the tenth, uh, so it happened last week, and then just two days ago, somebody took a phone video of a new trailer. So, like with graphics all over it. I mean, like uh, when I say graphics, I mean logos and stuff. So essentially, it's a really low quality trailer, but it's legit. I can tell you right now. There's a lot of stuff in that trailer that I saw for the 2013 teaser that they made for Comic-Con. So this year's Comic-Con teaser. I don't know what to say about it. I, I don't really want to have watched it yet because honestly, it's a little too soon. Like uh, the mood piece leaked, in, you know, last week. I think there needs to be a little bit more like processing time for Godzilla fans. And I love Godzilla. I love seeing new stuff. So, of course, I watched it. I watched the the leaked trailer. I'm not going to try and track down a better version of it. I'm just going to wait till it actually comes out online because apparently it's supposed to come out on the third. Now, I've done a lot of rambling. Let me tell you about the news portion of this. John from Screonk.com. And if you're not sure how to spell that, there will be a link in the show notes, of course. He wrote a pretty nice article detailing not only the first teaser, but also a little bit about the second uh, teaser as well. So check out that article if you want to know everything that's going on with it. He compares the two. It's it's a really nice article. Also on Sci-Fi Japan TV, those guys have released a brand new episode called Heisei Ultraman Revival. Uh, feel free to check that out. I feel like it's been a long time since I've plugged the Sci-Fi Japan TV and uh, that is just unacceptable because those guys do a phenomenal job. And actually, to be perfectly honest, I really I think the, their camera work is the kind of camera work that I wish I could do for uh, Kaiju Cast videos. And hopefully, fingers crossed, I will be hooking up with those guys in Japan and interviewing them for an upcoming episode. You heard our uh, our interview with Dave Filoni from the Clone Wars. Go get the Clone Wars on DVD this upcoming Tuesday, October 15th. The Zillow Beast episode is on it. It's a big mega pack. Link in the show notes to the StarWars.com article for that. Hey, and not only is Clone Wars coming out this uh, this Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday, Pacific Rim Blu-ray and, and uh, DVD and Ultraviolet 3D Blu-ray, all that stuff is coming out this next Tuesday, October 15th. Uh, if you're a big Star Wars fan and a big Kaiju fan, I'm sure, you know, you've got both of those pre-ordered already. And while it's awesome that the that those are coming out and I'm very excited for it, you know what's cool is that at the very beginning of the month, uh, Legendary and Warner Brothers, I guess, actually released the film on video on demand. And so I have been watching it already on my uh, big screen here. Uh, yes, I know I've already spent way more money than I ever intended on Pacific Rim stuff, but I really do enjoy the film. Sure, it's got its flaws. It's not perfect by any means, but I find it to be an amazingly fun film. We'll have a link in the show notes to information not only on the Blu-ray, but also on that video on demand stuff if you just can't wait, obviously, for the the actual discs to be released, the physical media to be released. Uh, next up, Diamond has announced, officially announced, its next domestic X-Plus releases for the 30-centimeter line. They will be the 1964 Mosu-Goji, so the Godzilla from that. And I actually have a version of that right behind me. It's so beautiful. Uh, very, very well sculpted. And then another one I have, the 1958 Standing Varan, which is a, a color version and also a gorgeous figure, just super cool to look at, has clear spikes. And Varan is one of my favorite monster designs. So, uh, yeah, you should get those. They're cool. Oh, and then there's also Minya. So if you don't ever, if you've never had a Minya and you feel like spending about, you know, 80, 90, 100 bucks, whatever it costs, I, I'm not exactly sure because I have not pre-ordered him, but uh, 
those will all be for sale in places like your your local comic book shop. If you're interested in getting these things because they're available through Diamond, you should go to your comic book shop and say, hey, can I see the newest issue of Previews Magazine? And, you know, I want to order these Godzilla figures. They're from X Plus slash Plex is the other company that they're called on there. But yeah, so there's the those three coming out. And that's a pretty awesome spread so far. If you think about it, the first wave, which we still haven't gotten, but it's coming up real soon, the 1954 Godzilla, the 1975 Mecha Godzilla, and the second wave is both GMK uh, Godzilla and a dual Gargantua's pack, which I am so psyched for. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but man, I am totally, totally getting that. And then this new one with uh, the 1964 Godzilla, Varan, and uh, man, Minya. They're so far. They're picking some really good ones. I got my fingers crossed for a Titanosaurus coming up. Hopefully, I would love to get that because I totally missed out on the Titanosaurus, and that is a gorgeous figure. Moving on, uh, something that I missed last month, or uh, not sure when I missed it, but I missed it. Apparently, Brian Singer, the guy behind the Usual Suspects and the first two X Men movies, which I really liked. Uh, apparently, he is developing a kaiju television series for the Sci-Fi Channel or uh, Sifi or whatever they're called. A stupid name to to change their name to. But uh, this is called Creature at Bay. And here's the description. Set in the wake of the U.S. military taking down a giant rampant creature, a modern-day kaiju monster, redundant, uh, just off the northern California coast, a middle management undersecretary from the California Emergency Management Agency, is charged with leading the cleanup efforts as the small town becomes the focus of the entire world. Yeah, I don't I don't think that really sounds that awesome, but giant monsters, I'm all for them, so I'll definitely check it out. Moving on, we've got... Uh, oh, I definitely wanted to share this information. There was a brand new Kickstarter spearheaded by Mr. Frank Woodward. Now, Frank Woodward is the dude behind the Men in Suits documentary. If you have not seen Men in Suits, you need to see it. If you're like me, you enjoy many costumed characters, not just Godzilla monsters. You like Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Hellboy movies, stuff like that. And basically, uh, Frank and his team went out and talked with those guys. And hey, if you haven't listened to the episode, uh, I'll have a link in the show notes to that episode that we recorded where I interviewed them. Uh, yeah, Men in Suits is a fantastic documentary, and I highly suggest it. And so they've got this new project, a new short film called Do Not Disturb. I'm going to have a link in the show notes to that as well. So if you want to pledge, uh, you know, because if, if, especially if you like Cthulhu stuff, if you like Lovecraftian things, I guess this has a little bit of a, of a feel for that. So, uh, check that out. Make sure you get your pledge in. I think it goes until November 9th. Follow that link to the show notes. That about does it for the news. I'm sure I'm missing some stuff, but we're going to go ahead and, uh, Move on to some housekeeping stuff. First and foremost, I'm going to Japan. My girlfriend and I, uh, Lady Kyle, we are going to be flying out. We're going to be in Tokyo for a week and then Osaka for four days. Then we're heading back. Now, if you're listening to this and you're in the Tokyo or Osaka area, please let me know and do, do it quickly. So send an email to controller at kaijucast.com. Uh, I'm especially looking for people who might be able to translate, but that's not necessarily, you know, a requirement. I I would love to just meet people in Japan that listen to the Kaiju cast. I think that would be like awesome. I would also like to meet Godzilla fans in Japan, not just American people or actual Japanese fans of the genre. I'd like to meet our Japanese counterparts for you and I, the, the people listening to this podcast. You can expect to see a bunch of updates while we're there. So I'll be, I might be doing some of those like Facebook videos that, you know, kind of tell how my day was. I'll definitely be posting photos and so forth. I also need to tell you that, um, it's been a long time since we recorded a commentary for the Kaiju cast. It's been quite some time. We're actually remedying that tomorrow. So, uh, <laughs> Brian and Martin and Jeff are coming over to the house. Oh, and Rachel, uh, Brian's wife is coming over to the house too. Uh, and we are recording our first ever drunk commentary. Uh, and when you, if you're not familiar with it yet, from what I've said, uh, I will tell you the movie and then you might understand why it's going to be a drunk commentary. We're actually doing a commentary on the 1998 Godzilla. So Gino or Fraudzilla, as I like to call him, or as many people call him now, 
Zilla, because he's been canonized into the Toho universe. Anyway, that film is our subject. I've never had such a tempered uh, <laughs> feeling of dread and excitement for a, for a film. But, you know, we're going to have a drinking game. And, oh, you know, this is very important to say. This is not going to be a clean, drunken podcast. <laughs> you know, you got to drink responsibly and all that stuff. But it's going to be explicit, I'm sure, because at some point I'm just going to start yelling obscenities about the film. And I'm sure I'm not going to be the only one. <laughs> anyway, please look for that uh, if that's the kind of thing that might interest you on uh, commentaries.kaijucast.com. And I apologize for the delay in any kind of commentary stuff. I've, I've been wanting to do more, and it does take quite some time for me to do the actual research. This one will not take that much time. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I wanted to get it uh, online before we go to Japan. Now that it's just time to wrap up the show, really, please check out kaijucast.com for all your Kaiju Cast needs. In addition to every episode we post, because there's an episode list, which actually that is kind of relevant because I had to make some changes recently. I think the last episode I talked about some hack attempts that were happening on the website. Well, those are not done but they've been lessened a little bit. I've been able to lighten the load. But in order to get the RSS feed updating properly, I can only have really 20 episodes show up on iTunes. So I think a couple of people asked me like why some of the older things aren't showing up on iTunes. They are still available on the website. You do have to download them. Hopefully someday I'll upgrade something on my server and it'll be better and you'll be able to get all of the episodes and uh, my hosting service won't suck. So... Uh, that is why there are only 20 episodes. But however, like I said, there is an episode list and you can download every single episode right from kaijucast.com. We also have our list of Daikaiju discussions. Once again, no Daikaiju discussion for October. We'll have a different episode airing at the uh, beginning of the second half of the month. There's also links to the commentaries, links to Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, uh, our YouTube channel, Links to our friends' websites, stuff like Kaiju 101, stuff like Sci-Fi Japan, stuff like The Mary Tyler Morbid Show, Jeff's YouTube videos. We got all that stuff on the website, so please don't hesitate to go there. Don't hesitate to subscribe if you listen on iTunes or the Zune Marketplace. If you want to subscribe, you can also do so on Stitcher. And not only are we on Stitcher, we're also on the Mediocre Radio Network. So check us out on all of those platforms. We are actually going to close out the show right now. So until probably next week when I post the newest episode of the Kaiju Cast, we are going to sign off with a request from Brian, who asked for Rain from the Yamato Takeru soundtrack. Now, man, I'm not exactly sure I got this right, so hopefully I do. My fingers are crossed. Uh, you can keep yours crossed as well. And I will see you for the next episode. Jamata. You だけを心に抱きしめて Can't you tell me?
に溺れていても耐えきれないこの苦だけが体を歌ってよ時の流れに引き裂かれた愛をキャッチューソーザーレン涙に濡れたバラを咲かせてよ終わらない夜に感じた悲しみを悲しみを。